well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. Glad you're with me on the program today. We're going to be talking with John Diedrich from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel here in a minute or two. I wrote about uh, this new series that John is released uh, called Behind the Gun at Bearing Arms on Friday. And I, as I said, it's a mainstream media piece on guns that's actually worth reading. Uh, and I stand by that. This is a very in-depth series. I think a total of 14 stories. Uh, John Diedrich spent about nine months putting this together. Um, and unlike the vast majority of, you know, big investigative reports on anything having to do with gun owners or gun ownership, Behind the Gun does not come replete with a series of anti-gun policy recommendations. Um, he actually allows gun owners to tell their stories. He talks about gun-involved deaths in Wisconsin uh, and what is being done uh, on the part of gun owners themselves to try to bring those numbers down, whether it is you know, a gun store owner who is uh, saying, listen, if you're having a mental health crisis or somebody in your house is having a mental health crisis, you can temporarily store your firearms with me. Uh, to the um, guy, not a former gang member, but definitely somebody running with a bad crowd on the mean streets of Milwaukee, who is now a firearms instructor and uh, trying to reduce gun violence in an urban setting. Uh, anyway, it was a fascinating series. Looking forward to talking about it in uh, greater detail with John Diedrich here in just a moment or two. Before we do that, however, let's talk about this for a second. Biden's America. It is crushing us. You've got companies laying off tens of thousands of workers one after the other. Americans working two jobs just to get by. Inflation pushing hardworking families to the brink, as you well know, every time you go to the grocery store. And a digital dollar could be coming on the pipeline to completely destroy our way of life. The truth is, you need a plan. You know it, and I know it. And that's why you should call Gold Co. So you can diversify your savings and investments with gold and silver before things get worse. They're a six-time Inc. 5000 winner, 2022 Company of the Year, with thousands of five-star reviews, and they've helped people like you and me place over $1 billion in gold and silver. They're offering up to $10,000 in free silver while supplies last. And if you contact them today, qualified callers will get a free Ronald Reagan half-ounce silver coin. So don't wait. Call Gold Co. at 855-412-3806 today. That's 855-412-3806. And now, let's turn our attention to today's interview with John Diedrich of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Take a look and a listen. John, thanks so much for coming on the program, sir. It's so good to see you again. Thanks, Cam. Great to see you. Absolutely. Uh, and and I know I said this in my email, but uh, let me just say again, uh, congratulations and thank you uh, for writing a, a really incredible series. Um, you know, all too often when I'm looking at mainstream media coverage of gun-related issues, it's so easy for me to say, okay, they should have done this, they should have done that. And I didn't see your name attached to this series <laughs> when I first uh, saw it. And I was like, oh boy, here we go. And then when I saw your name, I was like, okay, John Dieter's name sounds familiar. I went back through my middle Rolodex. was like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I have talked with John before, did excellent work talking about the ATF. And then I, I started with your reporter's notebook. That was the first of the Behind the Gun series that I read. And I, I would encourage folks, I think that's a really good place to start, actually, because you kind of get into the backstory of how this project came to be and really what the mindset was going in, right? And it sounds like going in, you didn't want to fall prey to uh, pointing the finger at gun owners and saying, well, the solution is banning guns or red flag laws. Like it just, it sounds like that was never really the scope of this project from the get-go. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that that's a great uh, setup. And uh, yeah, and great to see you again. And thanks for those, thanks for those kind words. Um, so 
you know, it, it, that reporter's notebook is something we don't often do. It's rep- writing in the first person. It's sort of pulling the the curtain back um, so, sort of thing. And, and I just felt like a, a couple of my editors at the paper, when I was telling them the story behind the story, they really encouraged me to sort of take that chance, which is kind of what it feels like sometimes writing in the first person. But it's an interesting entry point. And, you know, again, I think it's it, it is an interesting one because it brings you upstream from from the actual story in the end. Yeah. So this story. So I've written about guns, as you said, for uh, for a while. And people always ask me this question. Are you a gun owner? I am not a gun owner. And I have covered guns for a long time. I've shot quite a bit. I used to cover the military in Colorado Springs, deployed a few times and, you know, and covered the police department. That That is a question I would get quite a bit. Um in this project. And, you know, I just was, and, and it's, and I say it in the column too. Um, but, you know, I think the thing that we tried to do here was, well, first of all, we look for something different, you know, I mean, if you're writing the same thing and, and I do this, you know, t- too, it's like, you're looking for something different than not just that I've written, but that many other people have written. So just from a standpoint of, can we say something new and different, you know, that's appealing to me. So that's, that's a starting point. And then, the question became, well, could we say something um, different and important that might reveal something? So, so that and that's where my editor uh, George Stanley, who's now retired, um, he it was his idea for this story. He, he's a hunter. Uh, he actually, in our poll that we come out with, he's sort of a, a classic. You know, uh, he owns five guns. That's put some right in the heartland of our survey of. of um, we had one and, and more than five, but he was in that group. And he just said, hey, I think if you go out and talk to gun owners, you will find a different uh, thread and a different narrative. And so that set me on this journey. Um, the other the other thing and, and you mentioned and I say this in the in the um, in the uh, essay is that I had this interview with John Roman early on. So John Roman is a criminologist, sociologist, and he works at NORC, which is the um, which is the opinion research uh, co- coalition or they're at, they're at the University of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And he said something that really caught my attention early on. He said, so there's so many firearms. I mean, there's a little bit of debate around there, roughly 400 million, maybe 420, maybe a little less, whatever. A lot. OK. So he said, and there's a lot of things that happen that are not good outcomes or tragic outcomes or unintended outcomes. But he said, there's a lot that that doesn't happen with. And so there's different categories that that probably falls into. But he said, is there, are there things that we can learn about in that other category that could help populate um, where we see things that are unintended, tragic and so forth happening on the other side? It just was a whole mind shift. And it, and it really sent me um, to and among gun owners. Um, and that's really where I've spent the majority of this project is really in that spot. We're collecting data about gun deaths and so forth. But really what I got in there was uh, from the point of view of gun owners. It, and, and actually, I didn't know at the beginning how I'd be received in that. You know, I don't really call it a community because I don't right. really think it is a community. It's a lot of different people from all different walks of life who happen to own this object. Right. It's like car owners. There's not really a car community. You know, there's people who own cars, you know, and there's reasons why. And there's probably stronger reasons. And there's and there's constitutional factors that aren't with cars. I get all that. It's just like as a comparative thing um, to see people and their and their sort of humanity first before a label was kind of what's guided me. 
and 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 I think that that comes through, right? Because and I would I would disagree a little bit. I think that there probably is. First of all, there are probably going to be some car owners who say there absolutely is a car community. I got my vintage car, my restored car, and I think you find the same thing. But I don't think that there is one community of gun owners, right? I think you've got a lot of different, it's a big tent, but a lot of different, uh, maybe, you know, seating groups uh, underneath that big tent. And and you did such a great job of, again, I I think exploring just who some of these gun owners are um, and their backgrounds, what they're trying to do, right? Because one of the things I think that informed your, your story is looking at gun involved deaths in Wisconsin. I mean, that was sort of the, the impetus, right? Um, and very quickly, you learn that the vast majority of gun-involved deaths in Wisconsin are suicides. 71 out of every 100 gun-involved deaths, which is, I think, higher than the national average. Mm-hmm. But, John, one of the things I think you did is so important is you you delineated the difference between a suicide and a homicide. Or even, you know, the difference between a suicide in an adolescent and the suicide in a middle-aged man, right? Because each one of those things is going to have a different response. You're going to have different ways, different strategies, different tactics to use to bring those numbers down. And this is one of the things that's so frustrating to me, writing about this from a a pro-Second Amendment perspective, is all too often we just see this lumped all together, right? Or sometimes even just conflating homicides and suicides. We saw this recently uh, in a uh, hearing on Capitol Hill about uh, gun violence as a public health epidemic. Um, I think Senator John Kennedy uh, talked about the violent crime rate in Chicago. And uh, one of the witnesses, I can't remember where she was from, might have been University of Pennsylvania, responded by talking about gun deaths overall in places like Louisiana and Mississippi. And, you know, they're jousting and they're jockeying for position and they're talking points. But both of them, I think, kind of neglected that the fact that we're talking about very different things with very different, um, I don't even say solutions, but very, very, very different strategies in addressing these uh, issues. And and I thought you did a fantastic job of pointing out, okay, these things are different, right? The, the commonality, maybe a gun is involved, but if you're looking at how to bring down these numbers, you can't use a a uh, program like you know Operation Ceasefire that is designed to you know crack down on violent crime if you're trying to reduce suicides in rural Wisconsin. That's not going to work. Yeah, no, that's really well said. And there is a um again, I guess what we leaned into is like when you see simple narratives, you know, kind of beware. Um, it's more complicated, and the world's more complicated than you know those little sound bites and. And again, that's, you know, social media does that really well. It, 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 it simplifies things. It flattens people, too. It flattens people's stories and doesn't, doesn't really show the complexity within them. And so, um, yeah, so when I started gathering the numbers, um, 71 out of 100, it, it's just that I, I sort of knew it. I mean, because of the work that I've done, but I didn't really know it. And 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 I went to the state. They wouldn't give us the data for some other reasons that are detailed. But we ended up going out to every county. And what we saw across Wisconsin was this picture. And, and actually, we saw because the, the narrative, if you will, of gun deaths in Wisconsin is really defined by Milwaukee County, mm-hmm. which is a large urban area here. And, you know, maybe similar to like Pennsylvania, where you have like Philly or Pittsburgh and they have these very rural areas too. That's what we have. And 
And what you see in those rural areas is that suicide is just like way, I mean, there's almost no homicide. And oh, and just to go through the numbers, seven, in, in Wisconsin, 71 out of 100 are suicides, 25 are homicides, two are uh, police involved, one is an accidental, and then the rest are sort of undetermined, which is another question, but really small numbers. So you, but you put together uh, 2% for police shooting, 1% for accidentals. Those get a lot of publicity and there's probably good reasons for that, but just to understand that we in the media will highlight the unusual sometimes because they're newsworthy, right? So like that's a, but that doesn't necessarily mean you don't do it, but you put it into context to say, hey, we're high, a, a friend of mine who's a former uh, army intelligence officer, he said, yeah, you guys highlight the unusual and you suppress the usual. And that's okay as long as you're telling people that because the impression you might get is there are like, yeah, suicides are not what they are, but you add those three categories, homicide, accidents, police involved together, they don't even add up to, you know, to one third of the gun deaths in Wisconsin. So that is a starting point and pulling the numbers out. And to your point about then, what do you do with it? There was a comment from Jean Papalia, who's a retired police officer from Madison and now works in suicide prevention space. She said, I'm just always really, when people say, here's the one solution, okay? Like I'm suspicious, (laughs) like it's complicated. And she's like, we can do complicated things, that's okay. But she said, you know, like when somebody says, like, if it were just background checks, okay, well, that could be part of the discussion. But does that work with suicides? Not so much, right? So there is other stuff that you could talk about on the suicide stuff. Well, accidental or negligent, yeah, there's maybe some things in there, but our background checks or red flag laws or something else approaching that. And then what's what's appropriate to discuss when the government might be involved and when this might be among the gun communities, if I might use that phrase, you know, voluntary things, mm-hmm. um, things where, where uh, gun owners essentially talk to themselves and among themselves and actually discuss these issues. And that was fascinating because I had no idea that that discussion was happening um, you know, and like shame on me for not knowing that because I didn't know. And I've written and I don't want to throw shade on other reporters. Right. I don't want to throw them under the bus and say, oh, like in the process, they're all, you know, we're coming up short because I've been doing this for 20 years and I've written these same stories like I have. So I'm not like saying, hey, you guys all and I'm you know, and I've got the I've got it all figured out here, you know, because it it, it was the gift of the of the fellowship. And, you know, some time and, and just to be able to see some things. And, and again, some sources who, who, who entrusted their story to me that were really able to allow me to see things differently. You know, but, but again, you had to put that that together. And so I do want to give you credit. I will uh, just for the sake of, of not drawing any undue shade on you, I will resist the urge to bash uh, your colleagues in the media. And we'll focus on the positive uh, for this show. But, you know, talking to Mike Sedini, for example, um, with Walk the Talk America, you know, you say that you were unaware of this and look for good reason. You know, unfortunately, groups like Walk the Talk America or the gun store owner that you spoke to who said, you know, listen, if someone's, you know, having a, a crisis, they need to get their guns out of their home temporarily. They can store them here. No, no problem. 
Um, those don't get a lot of coverage, right? Uh, I mean, Mike Sedini will, will complain. <laughs> He'll do, you know, it's frustrating that uh, Walk the Talk America and, and programs like this where gun owners are sort of leading the way and having these conversations, they don't get the coverage um, that I think that they deserve. And so I, I applaud you for actually highlighting the work that gun owners are doing, because this is something this is this is one of the talking points that drives me crazy from gun control advocates. They they if you don't agree with X, Y or Z, whatever proposal it is that they're offering, you must not care. Right. You don't care about people who are being murdered. You don't care about people who are taking their own life. You don't care about kids who are being shot. You don't care or you love your guns more than you care about these problems. And I don't think anybody could read the profiles of the gun owners that that you highlighted and walk away thinking that those folks don't care. Um, and so for that alone, I think you did a public service in just, again, humanizing a group of Americans that all too often I think is dehumanized by uh, members of the media, by, you know, gun control uh, activists. Um, and look, you know, my side does it too, right? We always, we like to dehumanize our enemies, but uh, or our, our political opponents, um, but I, again, I just thought it was, it was, it was great to actually see the human side and the complicated side, right? One of the, uh, the profiles that I highlighted in my review of your series was the, uh, the, the corner from, uh, you're going to have to help me pronounce the name of the County, John Man- Manitowoc. Manitowoc. Thank you. County. <laughs> <laughs> um, who is, you know, a, a, a Democrat, he believes in red flag laws, but he also doesn't believe in bans on, you know, AR 15s and modern sporting rifles. Um, you know, every one of these profiles, I think, really did defy the stereotypes of gun owners that we see all the time. And as you say, instead of flattening out these people and their experiences, you sort of created a pop up book, uh, you know, and allowing them to be, I think, a little bit more fleshed out than what we would normally see. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, you know, in working with my uh, my editor on this project, Greg Borowski, um, you know, I kept coming to him saying, like telling him the stories of these, because we didn't envision this to be the way the way it was. I mean, the way the series, you know, starts off is we've got this, you know, all this data and it's a pretty data heavy story. We do have some narrative within that, some story told. I, I should also say you mentioned Chuck Lovelace. So he started he started the Wisconsin, uh, the gun shop project and secure uh, uh, storage here, a temporary storage at gun shops in Wisconsin. Again, a movement that's been written about a bit, but not super well known among people. And a lot of people in Wisconsin, even among suicide prevention, didn't know about this. And what we did in this case, which is unusual, is we led with what we would call a solution story. So Chuck and the Gun Shop Project was our first story out the door. So before we even told people about the 71%, you don't really necessarily get that when you see the series now because Chuck kind of tucks up under there. But Chuck came out in August. And so that's different. And I, I guess our, our our starting spot was, hey, people are already pretty like bummed to depressed about gun deaths. And I'm just going to tell you, it's a lot worse than you know. OK, I'm going to tell you with nuance and 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 um, some things that could be helpful. But let's start with solutions. Let's come with some hope and resilience to start as a, as a moving spot. So that was the beginning with that. And I saw that talking to Chuck about the story he was willing to tell. And that helped guide me. And as I went to other um, gun owners, um, and, it, and, and when you look at the, 
the feature, what I tried to do was not label them as gun owners. So you get that as you read the stories, but they it, hopefully it just sort of naturally organically comes through. Some are, uh, you know, right at the lead, but others like you don't get that Yvette Wolfel, whose son died by gun suicide. She's a gun owner. That kind of comes later on. And it and I think it's sort of a surprising reveal. Other people it's it's it, you know it's higher it's higher up kurt green you're talking about the coroner and 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 he and he jokes yeah i'm i'm a i'm a second rights uh second amendment rights supporter 2a you know and i'm a democrat so nobody'll talk to me you know and he and i said kurt how do you even exist like are you a <laughs> unicorn or what you know like he's like i don't really see an inconsistency with it and he lays it out and it's pretty interesting like from his his background and then you know mike sedini and his story of how he comes to this Everyone I went through, I, I would bring to my editor and he's like, dang, that's an interesting story. He said, you know, let's let's think about breaking those out. In, and, and readers are always telling us to give us a little lot mammoth stories, but more digestible ones. But give them a little bit of space. He also and I would just commend to people to watch the videos because that was also, I think, important to have people in their words and and Greg was like, you know, because of kind of what's been done, people might think reading these in print, is this really a person? Like, is this real? And and I think so. It, it, it was helpful for us to help people just be able to say in their words, not exactly what's said in the article, but you get that sense of their humanity first, right? Seeing them first, that's where the behind the gun uh, name came from. See the humanity in the person first, tell the stories that might contradict what you think, but it wouldn't be sort of, again, flattened in a sort of cartoonish way that, again, I'm not throwing others on. I mean, I've done this before where you sort of have somebody who serves a purpose to a data point and it's like four paragraphs and then you're on to the next thing. But it's like, I want to know more about that person. And that was kind of what guided us. So you uh, you talked about the first bit of this uh, series coming out in August. Um, I think there are 14 parts that are, are on the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel website. Is there more to come, John? Yeah, so um, there is. You know, we had that that first part, uh, and then we had all this data for the second part. The third part was a poll that we did, and we featured some gun owners. And now what we're doing is there's some follow-up, um, and we've got some very encouraging uh, impact. That's going to be the first thing out. And usually a lot of times with impacts, what we do is like I do usually investigative. This is more explanatory public service, but we'll call and say, like, what do the legislators say? What do the governors say? What you know, like, is there going to be some city government action or whatever? Mm -hmm. We're sort of deliberately not doing that here. Because I sort of know what the different sides are going to say. If there are two sides, the sort of binary, either or side, I sort of know. So we're leaning more into like what's happening. And one of the really encouraging things, one of the guys I talked to, Mike Ensinger, uh, uh, he is he is telling me, Ensinger, he's telling me that he does um, suicide prevention work. He's retired from the Army. He's received, since this series ran, five calls from people who were considering taking their life and all good outcomes. People who voluntarily went in to get help, uh, who have voluntarily separated from their firearms during this time of crisis, good outcomes. And so that's just, whew, man, you know, like that's that's what this is about. Absolutely. Um, and again, as you say, this is, that, that really is what this is about. And that's the commonality I think that is found throughout all of the people that you interviewed is that 
we do care about this issue. We do want to save lives. Um, and we believe that there's a way to do that without destroying a fundamental civil liberty. Um, and, you know, you can have both of those things. You can have a tradition and a culture of responsible gun ownership. At the same time, those gun owners are a part of the solution, right? As opposed to, I think, how we see it presented all too often, that gun owners are just the problem. Um, and and I think that really is the biggest takeaway for me from behind the gun is, is that, uh, you know, again, gun owners are out there actively working to ensure that those folks who are, uh, again, having those thoughts live to see another day, that they make it through those those moments. Right. And that's one of the things that so many of the activists talk about, that if you can just get that person through that moment of crisis until the crisis subsides, then, uh, you know, again, that that gives them the opportunity to to go on to lead fulfilling lives. And I think most of us as gun owners know somebody who has taken their life, um, whether with a firearm or without a firearm. And, you know, if you have lost somebody who's close to you, if you've lost somebody that you love in those circumstances, I don't know how you cannot want to uh, try to spare, uh, you know, other folks the grief and the heartache and to keep um, keep those folks alive until a better day. You know, so the fact that that this series has had that kind of outcome already. Uh, congratulations, because that is truly the the best kind of journalism that you can do, John. Um, and I got to say, I look forward to reading the rest of your series as it continues. But thank you for writing something that I think does actually move the ball forward. It is unlike uh, almost everything that I've seen written on the gun issue. Uh, and I hope that it will inspire other reporters around the country to kind of channel their 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 own inner John Diedrich and to branch out and do something different, to go behind the gun and to start looking at this from a, a slightly different perspective. Thanks, Cam. I really appreciate it. It means a lot and uh, great to be with you. Absolutely. So um, listen, uh, let's not make it seven years between uh, okay. appearances on Cam and Company yeah. next time, okay? Yeah, yeah. We'll have we'll have more in the in the new year, quarter one. And so yeah, we'll have more to talk about. Fantastic. John, thanks so much. Happy holidays to you and look forward to talking to you again next year. Thanks. Same. Happy holidays to you. My thanks to John joining me on the program. Hopefully it won't be another six or seven years before we have him back on Cam and Company. Right now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed Citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a case out of Chicago, CWB Chicago reporting. A man on parole for a robbery at a Prada store is back in trouble after allegedly helping to rob a utility crew of a sewer camera. What a stupid, stupid thing. To send somebody back to prison. But that may very well be the case for a guy named Qaddafi Green. Also a uh, pretty bad name there, too. Uh, Qaddafi Green received a 42-month prison sentence in February for participating in the robbery of a Prada store in downtown Chicago last year. But with good behavior and other credit, CWB Chicago reports he got out of prison in late July. Yeah, not much time served for that 42-month sentence. Uh, They report he's probably heading back to prison now after prosecutors have charged him and three other men with robbing a work crew on the south side of Chicago last week. A security guard allegedly allowed Green inside the Prada store in the afternoon of January 12th, 2022. Green then blocked the guard's path, allowed three accomplices to enter in behind him. The 24-year-old Green, as well as one of the accomplices, then attacked the guard while the other two gathered merchandise worth about $46,000. At one point, they actually rammed the guard with a clothing rack, which caused him to fall to the ground and injure his wrist. Even though he's uh, been out of prison for barely four months, 
His parole status is currently under review following the armed robbery of three utility workers. This happened last Wednesday morning. Police say three workers were uh, on the job when four armed men jumped out of a stolen Jeep. The gunman took a uh, sewer camera reel and an accompanying camera from the workers and then fled the scene. You know, one of those like snakes, right? With a, with a you know fiber optic camera on the end. Cops were able to track a GPS device on the equipment located the Jeep not far away. Uh, Green, along with 25-year-old Shaquan Burden, 19-year-old Marquise Ramier, and 26-year-old Jawan Green all ran from the Jeep but were arrested nearby. Police also were able to retrieve the stolen camera equipment from inside the Jeep. Uh, all four men ordered detained by a judge to await trial, each charged with three counts of armed robbery with a firearm as well as misdemeanor criminal trespass to a vehicle. Burton also charged with a felony narcotics possession count. Um, like Gaddafi Green, police say the uh, 19-year-old Marquis Ramier, also on parole at the time of the robbery, he was released even more recently than Green, according to CWB Chicago, back in September, late September, September 22nd, after serving just half of an 18-month sentence that he received for a felony gun possession charge. How about that? Slaps on the wrist, back on the street, and rinse and repeat there in Chicago. Uh, Today's armed citizen story, Baltimore County, not Baltimore City, although I'm surprised we haven't seen uh, more armed citizen stories there too, but a, a homeowner fatally shooting an armed intruder in Baltimore County over the weekend According to a WBFF in Baltimore, it was about 9.45 Saturday night when officers with the Baltimore County Police Department responded for a report of a shooting. According to police, once on scene, officers uh, located an adult man who had sustained multiple gunshot wounds, who was pronounced dead at the scene. Detectives believe the armed suspect was attempting to gain access to a resident's home. That's when the homeowner discharged his firearm, striking the suspect. Please say, while the uh, detectives continue to investigate the circumstances surrounding the case, they are also asking the folks with any pertinent information to uh, contact homicide detectives. Uh, But at this point, again, looks to be a case of self-defense there in Baltimore County. Finally today, our good deed of the day in the right place at the right time, well, unable to do the right thing. A police officer in Hanson, Massachusetts, who not only helped an elderly woman get her car fixed, but also was able to find her temporary housing this is one of those stories that honestly just breaks your heart. Officer uh, Leo Arsenault, uh on Thursday night, he's on the job. He uh, runs across a woman, older lady, who's sitting in her car in the parking lot of a business that had closed down for the night. Car's out of gas, and uh, the battery is dead. Her cell phone was dead as well. And she told Officer Arsenault that she had no place to stay for the night. He um, found her a hotel room. Paid for her stay, out of pocket. Talked with her and figured out a way for her to be picked up in the morning. He also uh, reached out to a a local company called Macquarie Auto of Hanson to uh, have her battery recharged, to have her tank filled up. According to the uh, local police there in CBS Boston, the uh, woman, extremely grateful, explained that the situation she's in is only temporary. And again, you know, it... it probably would have been very difficult for Officer Leo Arsenault to just pass that woman bond by, right? But in the right place, at the right time, willing able to go above and beyond. I mean, there's a world of difference between just driving by, nothing to see here, and reaching into your own pocket and saying, hey, you know what? You can't stay here tonight. We're going to put you up somewhere. We'll figure out what to do in the morning, but uh, we're going to get you taken care of. Officer Arsenault didn't have to do that either, but he did. And again, 
we thank him for his very, very good deed. And we hope that this woman is soon back home where she uh, is safe and warm. That is going to do it for this edition of Barry Arms, Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program, as always. Looking forward to being back with you again tomorrow for even more of the latest Second Amendment news and information from all across the nation. But you don't have to wait until then. Just go to BarryandArms.com. We're keeping you up to date on all of the latest 2A information that you need to know about. And if you like what you see, I'd encourage you to become a VIP or VIP Gold member. All you have to do, go to BarryandArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS. And you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. Not only are we going to give you exclusive content that you won't find anywhere else, news stories, analysis that matter, you will get the warm, fuzzy feeling of knowing that you are supporting the independent pro-Sec member journalism that we're doing at Bearing Arms. And we thank you very much for that. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, as well as the uh, start of a work week can be enjoyed. We'll see you back here tomorrow for 2A Tuesday. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.